Welcome to Mental Reality. Today I'm really stoked to have back to the program Dr. Marcus Plauser. You will recall Dr. Plauser was here not too long ago and we had a very interesting discussion on the intricate mind-body connection. And today Dr. Plauser is back to continue our discussion, but particularly to focus on the coronavirus, COVID-19, since we're in the midst of a pandemic and a crisis right now. So I think it goes without saying that there are many preventative things that we all would have heard about, like hand washing, social isolation, or even more lockdown. And there really is no such thing as no risk. So what I'd like to talk about Dr. Plauser today is how we can really talk a little more specifically about how we can really engage in risk reduction. And I'm really looking forward to hearing the latest and greatest Dr. Plauser on some of the integrative medicine and treatments that may be on the horizon. And of course, uh, as part of mental wellness, we'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the important strategies for helping to manage our emotions during this really challenging period of isolation and stress. And then in our last episode on the mind-body connection, we really focused on just how important it is that we don't get so distracted that we're not getting the meaning in our life and from our relationships. And then I'd be really curious, Dr. Poster, on your views on how this virus is going to impact us more broadly as a society and our social structure. So thank you so much, Dr. Poster, and welcome back to the program. Thank you so much for having me back. So let's jump right into things. In terms of risk reduction, I really want to focus on the things that we can think about or implement in the here and now that might show some promise. So what can we do to reduce risk, Dr. Plauser? Learn from the Chinese. That's where the pandemic started. And we observed that economic activity in Wuhan is relaunching and uh, it appears that the crisis has been dealt with fairly effectively. We know from the Chinese experience that masks work, cleaning works, use soap, and reduce social contacts. COVID-19 is an envelope virus that has significant uh, components of fatty material. Soap uh, has one end that is hydrophilic, another end that is so-called hydrophobic, uh, and therefore uh, is uh, effective uh, for uh, cleaning. Also, the types of surfaces we use uh, do appear to make a difference. For example, we know that the virus uh, survives much longer on paper and plastic uh, compared to, let's say, a copper surface. So we can't hammer home enough the importance of basic hygiene. Absolutely. Hygiene and the use of masks. We know that in Asian countries, travelers have used face masks for many years in the prevention of viral infection, not only in the prevention of contracting a viral infection, but also as a means to prevent the spread to others. Initially, when we learned about the COVID-19 pandemic in China, media in the United States informed us not to buy any face masks. However, those recommendations are recently shifting. So there's hygiene's number one. Make sure that you're wearing the personal protective equipment that is helpful. And what other things can we do to reduce our risk? 
cleaning works and perhaps the use of gloves also may make sense. Some have suggested that the virus could also be wiped into the eyes or the ear openings, which are other ports of entry. And we could think about the uh, use of goggles in high-risk situation or a disinfection of uh, the ear. Yeah, and certainly part of the hygiene is really ensuring you're not making contact with your face. Absolutely. Talking about the face, I would like to preface that a a lot we talk about today is uh, not on uh, firm medical evidence to the point of, let's say, a double-blind, placebo-controlled, large multicenter study. But a lot we talk about today um, are reasonable beliefs, um, is observational evidence from past uh, pandemics, and uh, some of it I would talk about uh, falls within uh, the realm of medical hypothesis uh, that we have certainly reason to believe uh, may might be accurate, uh, but there is no uh, confirmatory evidence by any means in humans at this point. And Dr. Plauser, what are some of the most cutting-edge things right now that people can also do to address their risk? Lifestyle intervention, as with uh, is the case with control of many other chronic illnesses. Uh, notably, uh, we know that inadequate sleep uh, uh, appears to uh, increase risk uh, to contract other viral infections, such as the common rhinovirus, uh, by about uh, 300%. So we are talking a 300% reduction in risk of catching a common cold by sleeping uh, enough. Uh, One of the mechanisms we uh, think about is that um, we need sleep to release melatonin, and melatonin uh, has a profound anti-inflammatory and uh, immune-enhancing properties. So in terms of sleep, Dr. Plosser, how many hours are you talking about is recommended for good sleep versus poor sleep in those studies? Well, the um, uh, common knowledge uh, is uh, eight hours of sleep. That doesn't mean um, uninterrupted sleep. Uh, It is normal to occasionally wake up throughout the night. Uh, But we do know that um, sleeping less than five hours uh, per night, uh, that is uh, for sure the area where you run into a significant uh, elevation in risk. I mean, a drug, Dr. Plauser, that we're hearing more and more about on the media now is chloroquine. And there's been a lot of discussion about its potential helpfulness or lack thereof. Yes, that's correct. Uh, The media say lots of things. Hydroxychloroquine, which is uh, a specific drug against malaria, uh, appears to work in the lab. We do not know at this point if it actually works in humans. And uh, there have been uh, a number of other specific treatments discussed, such as Japanese pancreatitis uh, medicine, Camistat, um, and another Ebola medication with the name uh, Rendesivir. Uh, however, all those uh, potential treatments are still experimental at this point in time. We do not know if they uh, will work in humans, and there are, are a lot of uh, simpler uh, preventative interventions we can do. So chloroquine, for example, is in very limited supply. So for people out there who are looking for potential strategies that may be able to help them, What concrete, practical things might someone do or take that could help them during this emergency? Sleep enough, manage your stress, stay at home, 
And as our grandmothers told us, eat your fruit and vegetables. Okay. I mean, that's really interesting because we are learning the flavonoids, uh, which are involved in inflammatory response, are really important. And they're contained in vegetables that we're all familiar with. For example, like apples and onions, nuts, berries, tomatoes, parsley and celery, just to name a few. So Dr. Plauser, knowing it's important to eat fruits and vegetables is nothing new, but how much fruits and vegetables are we talking about in order to get the flavonoid benefit, if you will? Not a little side of vegetables. We are talking <laughs> five to seven servings of vegetables and at least three servings of fruit daily to provide an adequate repository of flavonoids. Now, are there other things, even over the counter, for those people who are really interested during this emergency in giving their immune system a boost? Yes, they are. We know for a long time about the antiviral properties of vitamin C, especially in high doses, uh, and of zinc. So for zinc and vitamin C, for example, we're not talking vitamin C like have an orange. When you say high doses, are you talking about having tablets, taking vitamin C tablets? Tablets for the healthy person as a prevention uh, ranging from uh, 500 milligrams to uh, up to several grams daily. And for people who get sick, uh, I would advocate for uh, intravenous vitamin C infusions. And for zinc, it's not like zinc found in a multivitamin, I'm assuming. Again, you're talking about doses, you know, taking zinc tablets. I'm talking about approximately 30 to 50 milligrams of zinc daily. Now, one of the theories I've heard is that the hormone melatonin, which we know declines with age, may be one of the reasons that children in general aren't thought to be getting as sick from the coronavirus as adults because they have more melatonin. What's your sense of that hypothesis? It's interesting. We used to believe that children and adolescents can be carriers of the coronavirus but rarely get sick. We are now rethinking the thought. So that's interesting. It's interesting how a, a theory may be present, you know, a week or two ago, and we're learning so much so quickly, which is one of the things that makes it really challenging during these times when things are literally changing moment to moment. So melatonin may be familiar to many people for sleep. Are we talking about sleep doses of melatonin? So no, we are not. The dose range I would recommend is much higher. Uh, I would uh, probably start out with something like 3 milligrams of the uh, sublingual melatonin. And we know that in some settings, such as integrative oncology, much higher doses of up to 20 milligrams of uh, melatonin have been used. And what potential benefit, Dr. Plauser, does melatonin serve with respect to, you know, reducing the risk of the coronavirus? Melatonin reduces lung injury and inflammatory cell recruitment during many viral infections. I see. There are also certain other supplements that may have preventative effects but should be stopped if symptoms of COVID develop. Those include elderberry and vitamin D. See, it's not surprising, Dr. Plauser, that many people are out there and they're looking to latch on to a magic pill. No, at this time, there is no one magic pill. And history teaches us that in past pandemics, such as the Great Spanish Flu, 
systemic and um, uh, more generalized treatments uh, such as uh, osteopathic manipulation, homeopathic treatments, uh, alkalinization, and others have been far superior to Western medicine approaches. Western medicine, in many ways, is a belief system, the uh, medical belief that uh, one specific pharmaceutical, one pill, cures one illness. However, we need to examine the evidence. Okay. And it's it's not unusual, Dr. Plouser, that you know few things are cured by a pill or a single pill, and rarely are medications or supplements a sole answer. And that's why we're really shifting towards more integrative approaches and a more holistic view of health in general. So it's not surprising that with this pandemic and emergency, the same thing applies. Absolutely. The COVID-19 likely originated from bats. Historically, there have been other pandemics that have crossed the uh, barrier from animal to human, uh, notably the um, Spanish uh, flu pandemic. And in that pandemic, uh, treatment homeopathic treatments, osteopathic treatments, uh, application of heat, uh, fasting, uh, alkalinization methods um, had vastly reduced death rates uh, compared to people who went to uh, Western um, allopathic hospitals. So we really have a lot to learn from around the world as we kind of face this emergency. And from history. Exactly. So I'm going to shift gears a little bit because people really are struggling emotionally especially, you know, learning to cope in an emergency. And you know, obviously, we don't face like emergencies like this every day. I mean, this isn't the first virus, and it certainly won't be the last. But the emotional impact it's having on people, people are really looking for strategies to help them. Dr. Beach, you're as expert in mental health as I am. What are your thoughts? I mean, again, it's highly individual. But one of the ways I think it could be helpful to think about it is to really look at the emotional state that someone's experiencing and the recommended activities that may be beneficial may be quite different depending on whether someone's experiencing lower emotions or if they're in a period where they're having more elevated emotions like stress. So for example, if someone's feeling low, particularly in this context from being isolated, it may be good to keep your mind active with a board game or learn to play an instrument Or you could even know that this emergency won't be going on forever, and you could imagine yourself being somewhere like your favorite place. For example, you know, as Dr. Beach, you know, one of my favorite places is being on the beach. For some, it might be a ski slope or or any place that makes, that conjures up positive memories. And someone can anticipate, you know, having that joy again in their life sometime soon. Well, this brings us to guided imagery and the role of it. Uh, During COVID-19, all the North American ski resorts closed. So why don't you, Dr. Plouster, say a little bit more about what guided imagery is? Guided imagery is a mind-body intervention by which a trained practitioner helps a participant to evoke uh, mental images. And we know, for example, from preparation for surgery, that guided imagery has been able to vastly reduce the need uh, for uh, opiates post-surgically. It's a very effective treatment. Right, and kind of the hints in the title there, it's kind of a structured or guided way to use your imagination. And then if people are in a more heightened emotional state, things like intense exercise. You know, obviously we can't be out in the public as much right now, but even doing 
intense high interval exercise like sprints up and down stairs can be really helpful or even differences in temperature like exposing yourself by putting your whole face in cold water for 10 seconds and taking a deep breath that can be really helpful when someone's experiencing heightened emotions and then you know deep breathing we've talked about a lot but that really to be effective needs to be paced for example if you inhale for around five seconds and then exhale for longer, for more like seven seconds. The focus really needs to be on the longer, deeper exhalation. And then you hold your breath, and you repeat that for five to ten minutes. It can have a remarkable impact on the body. That is correct. Uh, For more specific uh, recommendations, I would want to reference uh, different pranayama techniques in yoga that are thousands of years old. So Dr. Plauser, we've talked a lot about prevention and risk reduction, but obviously people are getting sick and they're getting deathly sick. What should people do once they get sick? Importantly, isolate yourself from family members and call a doctor or designated center by phone. And what treatments does medicine suggest? Western medicine uh, has taken a supportive approach uh, for the treatment of COVID-19 in the absence of any specific therapies at that point, such as supplemental oxygen, uh, isolation, and uh, putting people on a respirator as needed. Uh, However, uh, in the integrative medicine realm, it has been suggested that the most effective treatment uh, for this condition at this time may be more nonspecific treatments that are used for a variety of different illnesses, such as high-dose vitamin C, IV infusions, such as the use of trioxygen or ozone, uh, either as uh, an infusion in normal saline uh, or um, uh, used as an enema, uh, even orally suggested Uh, ingested, and this is done, uh, offered by uh, a variety of integrative medicine clinics. So are you saying for just to use ozone therapy as an example, that someone could go to an integrative therapy clinic and obtain that service? Oh, absolutely. Uh, Ozone has been therapeutically used in Germany for decades. Uh, However, uh, in the opinion of the FDA in America, there's no therapeutic benefit. And do we know, Dr. Plauser, what the proposed mechanism of action of ozone therapy is? We have a theory, however, uh, little is definitive. Western medicine has focused on the chemical nature of the body, on pharmaceuticals. Are they healing systems, integrative medicine and traditional healing systems have also taken into account the electrical nature of the body and the manipulation of energies. In ozone therapy specifically, the thinking is that many pathogens carry a positive charge and uh, ozone or trioxygen um, is uh, negatively charged and is thought to uh, bind those pathogens. And our clinical experience in ozone uh, has uh, ranged across a variety of uh, different conditions, including the very effective treatment of chronic Lyme's disease, uh, use of ozone therapy uh, in cancer, as well as a supportive role in HIV treatment. So the application is fairly broad, and as I mentioned, integrative medicine modalities and, in fact, the most effective treatments uh, in this uh, uh, COVID pandemic uh, might be of a nonspecific nature rather than uh, finding the magic pill or the magic molecule targeting specifically this virus. 
So Dr. Plauser, time passes and we will move forward collectively. I'm interested in what your prediction is of how this COVID pandemic is going to change us as a society, including our social structure. I believe the impact will be huge. It, uh, I anticipate that it will change how we think about healthcare systems, raising the question whether a segregated system uh, is the best or whether uh, universal care systems might be more effective in dealing with large-scale pandemics. It uh, likely is going to change our relationship to nature. Uh, Corona, uh, COVID-19, likely came from bats, and we know that uh, prior flu pandemics, such as the uh, Great Spanish Flu, uh, likely originated from pigs. So it will likely change how we think about our food sources and uh, whether we may want to shift uh, to uh, more of a plant-based, more sustainable diet, it uh, may shift how we think about food sources of protein. Uh, according to some sources, it has been suggested that um, uh, insects, certain insects, may offer a higher quality source of protein than, for example, the eating of uh, pigs or um, uh, bats or other live animals. I mean, that's really important you touched on. You know, people will talk about you are what you eat. And I mean, I think this really kind of calls to action for us to really, you know, think about what we put into our bodies. I, I firmly believe that. And I firmly believe that it will reset our uh, relationship to nature, how we think about the uh, destruction of uh, animal habitats. And as a side effect of uh, the world coming to a still stand, we uh, have seen that um, uh, pollution, environmental pollution is greatly reduced in some areas. For example, in Venice, for the first time in decades, uh, fish can be seen at the bottom of the canals again. Uh, this uh, pandemic, interestingly, it may also uh, shift priorities how we think about our relationship to the state um, around uh, issues such as the right of privacy. For example, in uh, South Korea and China, cell phone apps have been used to uh, track the movement of people. Um, and uh, we know that from the Canadian response to the prior SARS pandemic, uh, trusting um, uh, the state and how we feel about violations of uh, a quarantine um, has made a vast difference in how effective uh, the Canadians at the time were uh, in combating the pandemic. So, Dr. Plauser, I think that's a great point to end. And one of the things that's really striking me right now is you have a real knack of giving us truly the latest and greatest, as well as providing us kind of tangible and practical strategies that we can consider and actually implement to reduce our risk in this case. And I mean, all of this really calls us to really critically think more broadly and to really learn from history and learn the lessons from around the world and challenge our assumptions. And sometimes we may have more of a tunnel vision or we may just follow what we've been taught or what we've been told. But an emergency like this really requires that, you know, we take off our rose-colored glasses and take a really truly broad and informed look at things. So I want to thank you very much for being here. I'm happy to have you as a regular guest, and I hope you'll come back sometime soon. Thank you, Dr. Beach. Uh, stay home. Uh, stay safe, everybody. Stay healthy. And we don't need any more toilet paper than we used before.
And there you, there you heard it. Thanks so much, and stay tuned for the next episode of Mental Reality. <laughs> <laughs>